Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with women in ETFs. We get together with some of the smartest women in this business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy, and today I'm joined by Wendy Wong, Head of Sustainable Investment Partnerships and New York Life Investments. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Cynthia. How are you today? I am great. Well, we are going to talk about uh, impact investing today and ESG, which, you know, environmental, social governance investing as a theme. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I wanted to start with some important news or what I'm curious about, which is... You got to stand on the podium and ring the closing bell in New York Stock Exchange this week. So what was that experience like? Oh, that was very exciting. I've been on the New York Stock Exchange before and, you know, it's just an iconic place, but it was just a great feeling to stand on the podium with my friends and colleagues from New York Life Investments, from Index IQ, and then from our partners, uh, you know, which is why we were there to celebrate the launch of our dual impact fund. So is great. So, well, congrats for that. I think it's a would be a really cool experience. Um, let's talk a dual impact and just this general idea about impact investing, which you know could be all about just putting your money to work where your heart is, or as you guys put it, way more eloquently, investing with purpose. So, let's start by defining impact investing. You know, how do you see impact investing as you know part of this ESG theme? Yeah, well, so. Imp- you know, impact investing is a little different than thematic investing. So thematic investing looks to find a macro level trend and makes a bet that the underlying investments of that trend that are related to that trend are going to benefit from those trends. And then there's impact investing, as you mentioned. And what that does, it, it seeks to deliver some type of measurable social or environmental impact while seeking a good financial return at the same time. So, of course, people can look to make an impact, and they frequently do, by making a straight donation to a nonprofit organization, or they'll get actively involved. Maybe they will volunteer with an organization. Uh, But impact investing is different because the investor is looking to generate a financial return while making an impact at the same time. Now, the the ETF, so Index IQ, which is part of New York Life Investments, launched three dual impact ETFs. They're not the first you guys have done, but the, the latest three this week. It's all about this ability to invest in companies in different segments that are delivering some kind of exposure access to these themes that they're supposedly passionate about. So I, I really love to dive a little bit into the vision behind this dual impact approach. And one of the things that really stood out to me during the coverage of the launch was the CEO of New York Life Investments saying that this is about investors demanding better ESG solutions. And, you know, her quote was, these demands take nothing short of a revolution in ESG investing. So, dual impact is all about revolutionizing ESG, which is a really tall order. So let's get into it. Um, One side of the dual is the portfolio alignment to various missions. So tell us about that. What are these missions? How are they selected? What's the story? Yeah. So yes. So so that was our CEO of New York Life Investment, Yishin Hung. And you're right. We do think that this is very different. This is very revolutionary. Because these dual impact funds, we now have four in the market, they combine the potential for financial gain through thematic and impact investing. So one, we're combining thematic and impact investing. While at the same time, and this is where I think it's a little bit different, we're also helping to inspire change. 
we think about it as seeking me-focused returns, right? Because in the end, we are an asset management company and we want to build solutions that help investors meet their financial goals. But at the same time, there is a we-focused good too. So that's where we're trying to um, help inspire change. So each of our three newest dual impact ETFs always seek to deliver financial performance for investors. And, and you know, one is um, the IQ and gender equality ETF. The ticker is EQUL. And it's designed to offer investors exposure to U.S. companies that have demonstrated a commitment to gender equality. Our second one is focused on the environment. That's IQ Cleaner Transport ETF. That ticker is CLNR Cleaner. And that provides exposure to global companies that support the transition to more environmentally efficient transportation technologies. That could include electric vehicles, could include bicycles, it includes the value chain and grid supporting all of that. You know, really things to decrease in transportation are reliance on fossil fuels. And then our last one is also related to climate. It's our clean oceans, IQ Clean Oceans ETF. That ticker is OCEN, Ocean. And that offers exposure to companies that are helping to protect and achieve a cleaner ocean through reduced pollution and increased resource efficiency. And so those are the, the three newest that we've uh, we launched uh, just in the last month. And is each fund aligned with one single nonprofit organization or are different organizations involved? And are they a permanent choice? Uh, how is the alignment to that mission uh, established? Yeah, so that's a great question. So first, like I said, you know, we start with a compelling investment thesis. And then we looked for well-known, established partners that are passionate, that specialize in each of these spaces. And, you know, we, we reach out to them. We ask what they're trying to achieve, how they're trying to get there, what programs or scientific research do they have in place, what are they advocating for? What, does, what would success look like at their organization? Then we work with them to refine the thesis through multiple discussions to ensure that um, our investment professionals, our product design uh, professionals, were able to reflect that in the fund design. These strategies, Wendy, are index-based, right? So when I think, for example, on the cleaner transport, is a way to look at it as, you know, Electric vehicles, for example, really hot theme right now, a lot of demand for that, uh, you know, a lot of growth opportunity. So is this a different way to look at, you know, I'm going to access this theme, the whole EV space, but on the other side, I get this to support. I think that one is tied to the National Wildlife Federation, right? That's so correct. is this about like, here's a, you know, a, a good strong portfolio for EV stocks and, and, and that, but you also get this exposure to the mission, but you're competing with other, you know, EV ETFs and clean energy ETFs. Um, is that just the, the main takeaway here? So that's a good one to, to start with. So maybe what I can do is start, you know, go into a little bit more detail about the investment thesis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to set the backdrop, you know, transportation accounts for 20% of emissions each year. That's a lot of emissions. And fossil fuels are a large contributor to the 5 million, you know, deaths from air pollution across the world. But we are seeing, as you mentioned, there is a growing and an existing demand for clean energy products and solutions. But this goes beyond um, electric vehicles. So clearly, the electric vehicle market is growing, you know, so you know, we, we have research reports where it's projected to grow from $140 billion today to $700 billion in six years by 2027. 
And at the same time, the clean energy market is also getting a lot of attention, a lot, a lot of attention on climate action. Legislation and governments are all working together to talk about how, as a global society, we can work to decrease this. And the clean energy market is also projected to grow from $408 billion to $1.2 trillion um, by 2027. So you know, our investment thesis is that companies that are involved in producing and developing more sustainable modes of transportation, that includes electric vehicles, that includes bikes, that includes rails, that includes um, you know shipping, they're going to be well positioned to take advantage of this increasing regulation and attention from governments and also consumer sentiment. So the portfolio not only includes companies that are electric vehicle, but also the underlying technology, the products, solutions, the value chain that needs to support that. So if we all bought electric vehicles, you know, that would be fine, but you can't just go home and get an extension cord and plug it in, mm-hmm. right? You need an infrastructure for that. And then, you know, even beyond that, like what you need in your house, there needs to be a grid to support all of that. So it, it's actually wider than electric vehicles and includes, you know, not only transportation equipment and services, but clean energy resources and includes technology that's leading to increased efficiency. Um, and then, like I said, the, the infrastructure to support all of that. So some examples of some names in the portfolio, in addition to electric vehicles, the well-known ones, you know, there is a, a French rail company that's included. They're, they're working to facilitate a global transition to a low-carbon transport. And they're the only rail company that offers the entire scope of green traction solutions. Um, so they're in discussions um, with a lot of companies in Europe. And so we think there's some growth potential there. There's a bike company in Japan. They just recently celebrated a 100-year anniversary. And obviously, you know, I don't know if you tried to purchase a bike through the pandemic, but it's been challenging, right? So uh-huh. they've done really well. And in fact, they're investing $300 million in Japan and Singapore to increase capacity. And then on the other side, like on the back end, you know, there's um, a company in Belgium that um, they do technology recycling. So they recycle materials from cell phones and other e-waste to recover um, the precious and valuable metals that are needed to produce and manufacture some of these. So it's not, not necessarily just the transportation itself, so that's certainly in there, but it's also the back end and the value chain that needs to support all of that. So the, the idea, the big idea is about investing in the doers and in the enablers so that you get the whole picture of that thing. Yeah. And then just even to round that out, you know, you had mentioned our, our partners, the National Wildlife Federation. They're the America's largest conservation organization. And, you know, we will be reinvesting a portion of our management fees from Cleaner, which is we'll, we'll reinvest 10% to National Wildlife Federation. And they, in turn, will use that to support its climate programs because they're looking to create a zero carbon future to benefit people and wildlife and protect them and make sure that there's enough habitat for all of us to live. And and that's the, the other part of the dual mandate, right? It's that the... One is the alignment to uh, the portfolio to the the theme, and the other is New York Life Investments supporting these missions by contributing a portion of the management fee of these funds to these nonprofits. Right? That's correct. Like on an annual basis, on and and these these partnerships are 
Can they change? Do they change? Do you take investor feedback on these partnerships or is that done internally? Like the the choice for National Wildlife, for example, or I think the other one is Girls Who Code. What's the third partnership for Ocean? Yeah, Oceana. They're the largest international advocacy organization that's focused on ocean conservation. Mm-hmm. So to answer so to answer your question, you know, we, we did a lot of research. We are, you know, New York Life, we're we are the asset management arm of New York Life. Um, it's 176 years of, of history. So it was important to us to find someone um, with longevity, with the utmost integrity, with a lot of experience, and with a lot of passion for wanting to truly make an impact and educate people. So, you know, we're so thrilled to be able to work with National Wildlife Federation, for Cleaner, for Girls Who Code, for Equal, for Oceana, for Ocean. Um, and then we have um, a health and well-being ETF, the IQ Healthy Hearts ETF, uh, which is um, done in conjunction with American Heart Association. So all of these are great organizations. We're thrilled to partner with them. You know, we would like this relationship to last a long, long time. You know, we at New York Life, we don't do, we don't necessarily measure things in like one or two years. We measure them, you know, for a long time. So. We're looking for these to be uh, longstanding partnerships. That's cool. I wanted to ask you about, you know, just, I guess, the management of return expectations. So in the last year, there have been a lot of different surveys done on ESG investing, what investors look for, you know, conversations about why is uptake or adoption of this type of investing in the U.S. slow a slower go than it is in places like Europe, for example? And one of the things that is always cited is just, you know, American investors really are focused on performance. And a lot of them, you know, associate ESG investing with just this giving up of performance or at least they raise that concern. You know, what am I leaving at the table in order to invest based on my values or, you know, things that are important to me? So how do you manage that kind of conversation, this this performance expectation in these dual funds that have a higher calling, if you will? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're right that the education or awareness in the United States is probably lagging than investors in Europe. Um, and that's something as an asset management, as an industry, you know, we're, we're trying to work and we're trying to do some education. I mean, there was a myth that sustainable strategies underperformed conventional strategies, that you had to give up something in order to, to do good and reflect that in your portfolio. But in fact, there's research out there that says sustainable strategies have historically matched or outperformed conventional strategies. And 90% of the time, Companies with strong ESG profiles had equal or better financial performance. But would that even apply? I mean, do you have any concern, for example, on the transport? I know we keep going back to that fund, but just this idea that this is a space where there's a lot of, say, growth companies, which, for example, 2021 has not been a very kind year to some of these names. So I would think you can't escape just this performance concern. Is the secret here to really think of impact investing, ESG investing, from a long-term perspective, it's it's harder to really focus on the short term? Yeah, I mean, as an asset management firm, when we were looking to design these, we were looking for long-term, sustainable demographic trend to to tap into. And the, and the proof will be in the performance, right? So that's sort of the onus on us. Like, So yes, we do need to educate people that 
you know, when a company does ESG and they adopt more ESG policies, and frankly, probably United States, U.S. companies have been slower than other parts of the world to adopt these ESG policies. But then as an asset management organization, you know, we need to make sure that the products we are developing in general are generating positive returns. So the three that we just mentioned, Equal Cleaner Ocean, they've only been out in the market for a month. Heart, which is the, the ETF with the American Heart Association, that's returned over 12% and, um, you know, year to date. And that was launched earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was the original dual impact. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> have you gotten what, what have you learned from that fund? Like inter- any interesting feedback, anecdote from early adopters, anything that stands out to you? Well, so, you know, we did launch, you know, Heart in February of this year. And, you know, that it was so interesting because that was built around a, a conviction that a thematic center around the treatment and prevention of heart disease is a strong and long-term investment thesis. And even the course of going, you know, of, of helping build this, you know, I learned a lot that heart disease is the number one killer both in the U.S. and globally. That means one American dies every 36 seconds from heart disease. And so that means a lot of people have been impacted by heart disease. Maybe they have it themselves or someone they know. But then heart also taps into a demographic trend too, because as population ages, you know, 80% of heart disease is preventable, mostly through being more active and eating better. I know you and I were just chit-chatting about our quotes, you know, respective Thanksgiving. I did not necessarily (laughs) eat that healthy over Thanksgiving. I know I should though, and that's important to know, right? I know I should. I know that I was not doing uh, the right thing. I did. I had nothing but vegetables, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And whole grains. (laughs) But but treatments for heart disease are going to continue to be in high demand because it's the leading cause of death, sadly. You know, we, we have estimates at the CDC, the Center of Disease Control, estimates that the direct cost of heart disease is going to triple in five years. It's $214 billion right now, and it will, it, the, the estimate is going to grow to $649 billion. Wow. That's a lot of money. And then as baby boomers, Gen X and Gen Y age, they are increasingly pursuing healthier and more active lifestyles. You know, you just said you went to the gym. I said I should have gone to the gym, <laughs> right? But, you know, we are more aware, you know, just as a society, as an organization, that we should be eating healthier and being more more active. And, you know, sales of fitness equipment has increased, you know, especially during t- pandemic, but that trend started even before the pandemic. Um, plant-based foods has actually become really commonplace. Like Starbucks has a breakfast sandwich sandwich made with impossible sausage. And, you know, uh, are you a fan of cauliflower pizza crust? Yeah, it's good stuff. You can find that anywhere, you know, even in your regular grocery stores, which is, which is unusual. So the fund is new, just 10 months old. I mentioned performance has been very good as, as, yet, as of yesterday, it was up 12%. But, you know, what we're finding is that, you know, people are resonating. They do, they do see um, that there is an investment thesis and they are interested in the impact component. And for the impact component for HEART, we've been working closely with American Heart Association and their social impact fund. Because many people, the AHA realizes many people face health problems because of where they live and other conditions they can't control. Like 80% of your health is determined by where you live. Do you have access to playgrounds? You have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. You know, how much pollution is in your area? And over 35 million Americans live in food insecure households. So the Social Impact Fund, which is part of the AHA, addresses health inequality 
in you know very specific underserved communities. And they address factors of health inequality through you know social cohesion, if there's like a, a you know whole family unit, employment, education, housing, and food access. And what we're finding is, you know, you know, people people see that and people um you know people understand what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, no, and, and uh, you know, if you read some of the CSG survey I was mentioning earlier, you know, some of these social issues are, are really close to everyone's hearts these days. So, you know, Wendy, I, want, I thought before we wrap it up, I'd love to actually hear uh, a little bit about how did you get involved with Impact Investing, ESG? You know, why are you passionate about this? What drives you into the space? I, I love a little bit of that personal story of how are you connected to this? Yeah, oh, sure. So, so my background is in 401k plans, retirement plans. And, you know, even though that doesn't seem that would be very related, there is a correlation because when you're working in the retirement space, the work you're doing is to help people save for retirement. You want them to have a long, successful, healthy retirement with enough money to enjoy that. That's definitely having an impact. And I've always been active in DEI initiatives, diversity, education, inclusion initiatives. I'm in the second year of leading New York Life's Employee Resource Group for Women, which seeks to cultivate a community within New York Life and help women with personal and professional development. I've also been an active member of our Asian Pacific Islander employee group as well. But related to the dual impact ETFs, these are causes that are really personally really interesting and compelling to me. One of the reasons why I became interested is there's generally been more education information and the resulting awareness of how our actions are impacting the world. And you start to feel a sense of responsibility, like, I should do something about mm-hmm. this. If not me, then who? So like most people, you try and start an influence, but you can in your own life. You know, you try and use less single-use plastic. You start to compost, which we can probably have a whole other podcast about, about that, composting. You make an effort to walk what you can. And then you also realize that what you ate when you, when you were in your 20s has a different outcome and impact <laughs> than when you eat. Let's just say when you're not in your 20s. <laughs> true that. True, true that. <laughs> and so you want to be a part. You want to be a part of that, right? So I had said earlier that you know we can accomplish great things when we work together as a society, and I do believe that. So it's been personally really energizing and rewarding to be involved in New York Life Investments ESG initiatives. No, well said, well said. On that note, I I'm more motivated now to go back to the gym today. <laughs> Do it! Well, Wendy, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much for for joining the show today. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and for having me. Folks, for previous episodes or for more information on ETF Working Lunch, just check out ETF.com. If you would like to learn more about women in ETFs and how to get involved, check out womeninetfs.com. On behalf of the ETF.com team, thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time.